Life is like sex. No one teaches you, but you learn. This is like Kama Sutra, but for designers. What does it actually take to be a world-class designer? Is it the achievements that you have? Is it the schools that educate you? Is it the skills that you have garnered along the way? Or is it simply how you treat other humans? Gideon Mashava is a founder of world-class designer school and conference. He is driven by instinct, a product designer and community builder with experience leading teams and creating together complex systems, products and services that have a positive impact on people's lives. He works across a wide spectrum of industries and sectors, bringing early ideas and concepts to life for World Bank projects, scrappy startups, and nonprofits in Africa. He's also the author of Design Sutra, a unique book that offers design principles on digital design. In this episode, he takes us through business in design, his experiences traveling across four new countries and five cities, and realizing that becoming the best in the world is going to be harder, much, much harder than he expected. We gain more insight into the creation process behind world-class designer school, conference, and podcasts, and why it was important for him to intentionally reconnect with his family. Welcome all. Thank you. I'm Naitiemu. I'm an economist uh, by training, so like I ended up uh, like uh, working as designer without knowing that I was working as designer, because in Mozambique I founded the uh, Mosdesk, like which ended up becoming the biggest developer community in the country, and uh, uh, I started as a, as a front end developer. But on that time, I was already doing studying economics at, at university. But uh, in my group, like I, I always had this feeling of trying to become the best in the group, and I knew early on that I wouldn't be the best developer there because everyone was like way better than me, like uh, coding. So I ended up becoming uh, the person who was the the bridge between the developers and the users, right? So like and over time, I ended up learning that that itself was a field and was called UX design and what's called design. So that was the time that I decided to like spend a bit of more time on it and trying to learn a bit more. So I ended up becoming designer, self-taught designers in the first like two to three years of my career. And uh, last year, no, actually two years ago, I applied to do my honors at university in South Africa to, to to study design. I end up not finishing because I get bored, but uh, I've learned a lot during, during my process there. And then you studied economics as well? Yes, yes. Like I'm formally an economist. How, how has that given you an advantage or taught you something that you may not know as a designer otherwise? I think, uh, so now, like I can talk about the business of design and design of business, like there is a difference between two. So what allowed me to, example, to see like uh, on the community that I've created, when like, uh, like six year, five, six years ago, we ended up becoming profitable. We ended up having like the World Bank, UNICEF as clients, uh, like doing projects for them. And uh, I believe that if I didn't have my economics background, I wouldn't be able to make a community a business because I end up understanding things in a larger scope. So, and then I understand accounting, I understand law, 
uh, I understand business, so that gave me a big advantage because like in design, when you like designing an interface, because we design interface for softwares, right? Uh, people tend to focus on uh, like how beauty like the software looks or how fast it's performing. Like for me, I see things in a completely different manner. So for me, it's mostly how can we convert this feature into business? How this bring value to the client and how people will pay for this? So like a lot of designers need training to be able to think like this. I think like this by default. So I'm, I've managed to bring business to design. So I think that gives me like uh, some leverage. Yeah, really valuable for designers and essential, really. It's yeah. it's no longer optional for creatives to understand business. Definitely. Yeah. So you, uh, I don't know if it's whether you used your time during the pandemic or just before to write a book, Design Sutra. Yes, uh, actually, like uh, the story of the book was funny because I ended up using the pandemic. So like it was funny the way I ended up like, uh, I mean, currently in Mozambique, but on the last four years I lived in South Africa. <clears throat> so I was about to attend, I, I came from Italy from a conference there and I was about to travel to Brazil, right? Uh, like to a conference. So I came to Mozambique to get my visa because it was easy and faster this way, like I'm like from this side. But I ended up getting stuck in the country because of the pandemic. Uh, so like on the first month I was like, okay, this is going to be a month and it's going to like come normal again. And, and then I'm going to go back to South Africa. Okay. And then two months out, like three months, four months. I was like, okay, <laughs> things seem like not changing. So I have to do something. So it was, it was during that time. So I ended up taking the opportunity, uh, that I was home and, uh, end up writing the book. So like uh, my initial idea with that book was. I wrote 57 articles to publish during a year, right? So, because I really like to do things in advance. Uh, so like during the year, we'll just have to publish like week over week. And in a year, you have like 52, 52 weeks. So I would have like articles for the whole year, but all of those articles were in Portuguese. But during my career, I decided that I wouldn't write in Portuguese anymore. So because I wanted to focus in a broader audience because I also wanted to learn more English. Uh, so I decided I would start like writing in English. But the thing is I've had written like these 50 plus articles and I had no idea what to do with them. Uh, and all were about, were about like design principles. So to not waste like to not like take the time that I spent writing all those articles to trash and up like rewriting most of them to convert them into a book so this is where the idea of the book came from so I spent around like the two months like reviewing everything end to end to be able to to convert all that knowledge to make like timeless because articles uh the way you write articles are different from the way you write books so I had to convert most of them to make uh, to make sense in a book perspective. I was I was going to ask about the articles first before going into the book because really it's uh, something as well that a lot of creatives can learn in preparing in advance and writing 52 or 57 articles so that you can publish them across the, the year. How did you do it? Did you batch them or what was your process in creating them? Like uh, I do, like this is, this is 
funny because I don't think I know how to explain this in a logical manner. So I have, I, I do have, I have bursts of energy. Example, I, I'm recording uh, my podcast, like the World Class Designer podcast, and I'm recording 20 episodes. I want to do binge listening. So I'm copying Netflix. They do binge watching. So basically they launch a series all at once. So I want to use the same for, for like for podcasting. So because I don't like waiting and I think it's painful for me having to wait like a week to launch something else. So I'd rather record everything and launch it at once because my brain in a specific times work really fast and then it's just shut down for like two three weeks and i can't do anything so i take that opportunity to do everything i can when my energy are really high that's really really important thank you so much for sharing that and it's it's as well uh something that <clears throat> is really beneficial to whenever whenever producing things if you can create in one go and then produce in one go absolutely yeah so like i'm gonna launch all the episodes uh, once because something that i've learned also is different people have different tastes and if you if you like uh, because I've, I've i've launched the first season like uh months ago and it, it has like 12 episodes and something funny about podcasts is your audience grows over time you don't get audience from the episode you launch because it's audio format and people don't consume audio in the same way they consume video. So you just have to have things there and people gonna like uh, listen when they have time. So I was like, okay, if people do consume this way, why do I have to, why do I have to launch like week over week? That seems like too much work for me. Yeah, great idea. And we really recommend the World Class Designer podcast, guys, check it out. Gideon, you say that you translated uh, everything you wrote from Portuguese to English. So English seems to have been your kind of second language. How did you get to learn about it and what's your plan so far? No, no, no. Like for the for the book, I didn't translate. All the articles I've written are in Portuguese uh, and mm -hmm. the book itself is in Portuguese. So, but uh, the way I've learned, uh, I've learned at school, but mostly was like talking to people and read, reading an article. I just putting myself out there and making mistakes. Wow, you're very fluent in your English. So, to be honest, I, I still don't feel comfortable talking English. <laughs> I read in your blog that uh, in 2020, you traveled to four new countries and five new cities. How how did you how did you get into that and how was the experience? So I always wanted to travel to Europe was a dream of mine. I think in a different way from other people my age because they dream having like fancy cars, like big houses, parties. Like for me, it was like when I have money, I want to travel Europe. I want to go on a trip by myself and meet random people all over the world. So. When I did that was like a dream that came true to me because I never thought I'd be able like to, to travel to Europe. So I, I had to have like, I think my first trip, I did my international first trip when I was 22 or 23, I'm not sure anymore. I'm 28 now. So I never had this opportunity to travel like all over the world. And uh, like for me, it was a really, really nice experience. Like my partners know that work, who are working with me now at the World Class Design Conference, two of them, I met them in Italy on, on that trip that I did. So when I did, when I decided to do like this trip, I didn't know anyone there. 
So I went to Portugal, Spain, France, and Italy. I didn't know like like literally literally anyone. So for me it was like, let me go there, see what the world has for me, and uh, and it was a really fun fun really fun journey. Like literally, I think it was one of the best thing I've ever, ever done in my life. What did you learn from those trips? Uh, first of all, like uh, I always wanted to become like a world class designer. Like uh, so, you know, like being African, being black, and being a designer is very challenging because you don't have references in, in our field. And uh, what I've learned, my number one lessons, I, I always wanted to become one of the best in the world because people don't expect like people like me becoming a reference in the design world. And the, the first thing that I've learned when I traveled to Europe was, okay, becoming the best in the world is gonna be harder than I thought because I saw like really good people, like great designers. Like I thought I had everything I needed, but I ended up realizing that there are other things that I needed to have that I still don't have. So I'm on my way to building that. So it was like, like actually this realization started when I was in Lisbon like because I tried to like attend events meeting other people like and the environment was completely different the way people treat design the way people treat business the way the way people networking I was like this is completely in another level and it's gonna take me a while to catch up and to be able to be like this so it's something being like the best designer in Mozambique to be the best designer in Africa but being the best designer in the world, oh, it's a completely different league. So I was terrified. That's, that's really interesting. Are there some interesting designers that, that uh, top of your head you met during the trip? So like I attended Intervention 20, so I've met a lot of people, but something funny that happened in, on, on that event is I've, I've met like a lot of people that uh, I consider my idols, like in the design world, but I was not impressed by them. But on the other side, I was really impressed by people my age. Like they were super smart. I was like, how come you can be like this smart? And some of them were like younger than me. So like, uh, like even for my, the, like the, the first season of my podcast, I wanted to interview these like senior designers, head of design from big tech companies all over the world. I was like, no, 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 I'm not doing this because these people are a bit boring. And uh, they kind of, they don't have a fresh perspective, if I can say, because I felt that they were in the industries for too long, that they kind of lost humbleness. And uh, even the vision, you know, you feel when someone is trying to be something else, right? So, and I felt that people my age were really more, uh, more honest and the way they see the world was completely different. So that was like one of the biggest lessons that I had there. Yeah, that's that's a really good point that we we learn uh, we learn from we can learn from anyone we meet in in the world and a lot of the time those people who are just starting out and pushing really have a lot of fresh ideas and need to be listened to especially by those who are who are becoming more established or have been established for many years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you really. You know, with the, the world-class designer, it's like it, it really is clear what you're trying to achieve there. It's such a great identity for it. Um, and it's it's something that we're always talking about is 
you know that bringing that level of design and the people are already there the talent is already there so it's just about showing the rest of the world as well definitely definitely this is what we're trying to achieve with the world class energy initiative you've mentioned that you've met some of your partners in europe how did that come about through the conversations with with your partners one thing like for me the europe trip was very intentional when you want to become like when i moved to mozambique to live in south africa like in mozambique i kind of reached my plateau in terms of like professional success at least for me and when i went to south africa i was like i want to become the best designer in south africa maybe in africa but when i when i was in south africa for like one two years i was like this might be easier than i thought I need something more. I need something not that I end up because so so the thing is something that we have to have very clear what do I mean when I say the best designers like I'm not talking about craft like being a really UI designer interaction designer I'm talking about mindset for me being the best is not about being the, per- the person that can create the best software or the like the best visual art so I want to be like the most open minded the person who can create like more impact the the person who can uplift as many people as possible that is what i mean being the best so it's very important to correct that part so when i went to like south africa yeah i want to become a reference here because uh, i really like uh, uplifting people like communities organizing things and advancing designers discipline uh, and i ended up becoming a community leader for a developers community which had activities in six cities in Africa so I had a big range in terms of of reach uh, so I've learned a lot about Africa as a continent I was like okay this what I thought was hard actually is easier than I think so maybe I need something a bit harder but for me to be able to have something harder I would have to change my environment so when I went to Europe I was looking for that I was looking for environment where I could find people who can think like me or can think better than than me or can teach me something completely different so i wanted to be in an environment that i didn't know what what to expect so i could learn something new so that is exactly what i've done when i went to europe so i talked to so many people i've met like a lot of random people people that i never thought i would meet in my life For example there is a guy that i met in a tour in 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 milan he created the uh, classes uh, like shades a company to sell like uh, in Europe and America it told me amazing stories uh like i met like completely random people like and that gave me a lot of ideas and different insights and like in those group of people I ended up meeting my two co-founders like who are doing the world class design conference and school with me so we kind of align one of them is from india and the other one is from russia we come from a completely different background but we clicked so i end up inviting them to join me to organize the conference and now we 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 building the school together but uh, like the premise here the most important thing is if you want to go like somewhere you know that you have kind of upscale yourself so how do you put yourself in an environment that you find people that kind of have the same level of mentality and ambitions that you have i think this will be like the biggest takeaway of this part how did the creation process the idea process of uh world class designer podcast conference and school come about okay so like the, i had the idea of the school like for some time now i can say 4 years so it took me like some time to actually put in practice because i knew that i, I still needed the experience necessary to be able to do that like a, a pan african design school 
Like four years ago, I didn't have the enough experience and network and resources for that. The first thing that I had to learn was like manage communities because like I started in Mozambique, created like uh, MozDevs, which ended up becoming the biggest developers community, created like IXDA, the Integration Design Association chapter in Maputo, but was a homogeneous group. Was people in Portuguese, like we speak Portuguese from Mozambique and I wanted to create a Pan-African school. So it means that I would have to deal with people who speak different languages, come from total different backgrounds, completely different culture. So that would be a different challenge. So I need to prepare myself for that. For the job that I took in South Africa, I ended up having opportunity to learn that. So I've had a chance to like, to deal with people from like Nigeria, Kenya, Ghana, Angola, Tanzania, you name it. I, I had that in the list. So I, I was the head of community. So basically I created a community from scratch. Uh, like a developer's community from scratch. And I've learned a lot during that process. So after that, I, I felt that I was ready to start something similar, but for designers, because I had enough experience in terms of managing different people with different et ethnicities and like skills and ambitions and things like that. But I wanted to do something different from a community per se, because I knew the challenge that most of designers face because I faced most of them. First of all, like is orientation. So like, again, it's, it's not about designers itself. Like I'm not, I'm not creating a school to teach design to people. I think other people can do that. My goal is to find like the best designers in the content and uplifting them because the mission by the end of the day is I have a dream. So that creating is Africa uh, as, 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 the, as the continent where you literally have best designers in the world like there is a tweet that i post on my on my twitter a few days ago that says you don't have an african designer in your team is your startup even in tech bro so basically i want that to become a standard so you don't have an african designer in your team you're really in tech so so it's 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 uh, things like this that i'm trying to create so for us as a continent you, we all know how people treat africa as a continent People just neglect us. Like for me is how can we change that narrative? So we can only change that narrative if we find the best people in the continent, in the field, like design, and we promote them, right? If, the, if we give them space, if we teach them the right things to do. Example, I have friends like literally all over the world now. I know the head of design of Google, like Twitter, YouTube, JP Morgan Chase, you name it. I know those people. I want more people to be able to say the same. So example, like I'm organizing events from like weeks from now with the head of design of Lyft business. Uh, and the topic of the event will be how to work on big tech companies. So basically, how do you go for immigration process? Because a lot of things, a lot of people think that to work on those companies, you have to be like super talented designer. That is not enough. So how do you create a network? How do you organize yourself in terms of documentations and all of those things? So like what I want, what, I, what I'm trying to create is a generation of African designers that have the skill sets to be able to literally become like world-class designers. So is, that is what I'm trying to do with the school. So this started with like me writing articles about how do I teach people to become world-class designer. The, being honest here, like th this whole project, world-class designers, became for a very selfish reason. I wanted to become a world-class designer myself. So I was listening to like uh, the Tim Ferriss podcast and I listened to Maria Sharapova interview. 
and uh, Maria Sharapova, one of the greatest tennis. Like uh, in, she's in the same club as Serena, Serena Williams. Uh, not club as team. Like uh, I'm talking about being great. And I was like, if this is what it takes to become good, I think I can do this. I can become like Maria Sharapova's design. I can be like world class designer, literally. So the question that comes next is, what do you do, right? So you learn with the best. So I start reaching, start creating a list of people that I wanted to learn from. So I start like asking those people for 30 minutes call, 15 minutes call. So what I ended up realizing was, was too much knowledge for me to keep for myself. So instead of like just having random calls with people with questions, I started recording those calls and like after that writing articles about those, those, those calls. So I created a series called the World Class Designer Interviews. Like I've posted on Medium at UX Collective channel, which is one of the biggest uh, design channels on Medium. They are now our partners for the World Class Designer School. And uh, after that, like I grew that to the podcast uh, and that's for the conference and the school that comes and uh, for the book that I'm writing in the same topic. So it's, it's like this old thing, the world-class designer school conference, it's all about myself. I'm being selfish. So, but is how can I be selfish? Like bringing as many people with me as possible. I remember attending the World Class Designer Conference and I learned so much from the from the designers who shared, you know, like uh, Zaki Mafundikwa shared, and it was really, really mind-opening, you know. African Design Matters by Simon Chawe. Simon Chawe, yes. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very bright guy, Simon. Uh, he's one of one of the best designers that we have in the continent. Yeah, and and also the quality of mentors you brought in internationally. I mean, Debbie Millman, who I've been listening to for ten years, right? So really, congratulations on on the network you've built as well, and on the way that you're sharing it as well with the community. Thanks, thanks, man. Debbie Millman was one of my my. My design heroes like was a really like you know when you say something like if I get Debbie Moon to talk in my conference, I'm done. So when I was talking to Debbie Moon, I was like, this is not possible. Did she accept? No way. <laughs> so like yeah, it was a very, very nice moment for me. Yeah, incredible. And uh the, right now the Walkers designer is is actually an app that I can use in my phone, right? So there is a community because our idea is with the school, right? We're gonna like st- we're gonna launch. Uh, so what we're doing with the school, we're trying to do something different here. So we're gonna take for, for, with the conference, we've managed to raise enough money to start the school, right? That was the whole idea of the conference. The idea is to find those the best designers in Africa, and uh, like put them in the same place. First of all, they have to connect with each other, right? So then, if you ask where these people connect. We need a platform to do that. We don't want to do this in a closed WhatsApp group or Slack group. So we decided to create a community platform for that. So the community, like the, the world-class community platform is the place where you're gonna find those people that we're gonna hire. So it's a place that everyone is invited. So so like our slogan is, is the place where you find the best zone in Africa with the world as a guest. You have the best there, and we the world as a guest. So everyone is invited to join us, but the place is created for our students. 
Awesome. So <clears throat> you first of all, you mentioned you're writing another book, so I'd love to find out about that. And maybe you can go but going back to Design Sutra. You said that uh, design design is like sex. Now, why is that? Jesus, where did you find that? That is in Portuguese. <laughs> Internet. <laughs> okay. So, like, uh, for me, like, with Design Sutra, I wanted to, when I was writing the book, when it was about publish, I was like, I don't want to create one more design book, one more boring design book. What could I do for a book that would make people my age interested in learning? So I was like, sex, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so what I've tried, and I tried to combine a lot of things in the book. The thing is, was about how I've learned design, right? So there is a musician in Mozambique, it's a very famous one, who, who said in a song, life is like sex. No one teaches you, but you learn. No one teaches you how to live, but you learn, right? I, I kind of made an analogy with, with, with design for myself. No one taught me design, but I've learned. And uh, that code started working for me on the day that I've, I find this book, the, the, the design principles. I was like, what? So I've been suffering all this time, but there is a book here that teaches about design principles. I wouldn't, it would have saved me so much time if I had this book on my first year as a designer. So I started making an analogy of the book. I was like, this is like Kama Sutra, but for designers. If life, you, no one teaches you, but you learn, Kama Sutra kind of hacks that because it's kind of teach you sex. So when I wrote the book, I was like, this is my Kama Sutra, but for design, that's where the, the Design Sutra name comes from. No one teaches design, but you can learn, but the book's gonna help you hack design into your Kama Sutra for design. And I end up taking that literally because uh, not I, but like uh, I have a friend who worked with me, uh, who was the one who designed the illustrations. And we took the Design Sutra concept literally because the cover, it's design, like it's a pencil hands in a very sexy position and even inside the book. So if you open the page in a physical books, you will see that the image completes each other with a sex position. So it's gonna make people curious to open the book because they want to see, okay, what is the next position? <laughs> because you're gonna have to open the book to be able to see that. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So when's where, the English where, translation where? coming out? <laughs> so uh, I'm not planning. So the thing is, uh, for for English, like for what I've wrote in the book, I, I think there is enough content in English about design principles. So I don't think I will be adding more value to the industry. That's why I decided to keep the book in Portuguese alone. But on the other side, we almost have no reference in Portuguese on this type of content. So I don't think I'll be translating this one. But on the other side, like the How to Become World Class Designer, which is the book that I'm write, I'm going to be like writing now because it's a collection of all the interviews I'm doing and all the lessons that I'm, I've, I've been learning during my journey. And again, this is how I become world class designer. and. How can I take as many people as possible with me? And I think that's both gonna be more relevant content to be to be available in English. So like the Design Sutra book, the only thing special that the book has are the illustrations and translating, I don't think it will be it will bring value to the industry itself. 
Uh, where can people find the book and how much does it go for? So the book is $10 and it's available on my website. It's gideonmashava.com. So people can find that. So they, it's gonna, they're going to find the link to, to Gumroad. Awesome. Yeah. So, so basically on the book, uh, it's, a, it's a collection on 40 design principles applied to digital product design, but people can use universally. Uh, that will make people's life way easier when, when, when we talk about like product design. I wish I've learned these lessons like five years ago. It would make my life so easy. I read your article and going back to the article, you happened to talk about how 2020 was a year where you spend more time with your family and kind of, um, you know, re repurpose your, your bonds with your family. How is that? So like uh, the coronavirus ended up forcing me to spend more time because when I was living in South Africa, I was by myself and the coronavirus forced me to come back home and I was spending a lot of time with my family. And uh, that gave me a different perspective of life because sometimes you just want things, right? You want to be like, successful, you want to be ambitious. And we end up like forgetting one of the most important part of life, which is family. And reconnecting with my family was really important. I remember before like coming back to Mozambique, I was starting having depression because I, I used to stay like, long chunk of times by myself and that is nice for reflections but too much time alone can kill you like literally i remember that i had to spend like i had to take pills to be able to sleep because of anxiety i can't explain you why i had anxiety for you on the first week i came to mozambique i could sleep naturally because i was around people i love and being able to be close to my family kind of wrote to me the feeling of connectedness that I kind of lost trying to pursue my professional career. And uh, like, yeah, and uh, being able to be close to, to my sister, uh, to my girlfriend now, to my, to, my, to my daughter, I have a baby girl now, kind of gave me a completely different perspective of life and, uh, and what is really important because if we don't value people that are around us, if we don't value family, what we are like, everything else makes no sense. True, true. What have, have your family taught you? Any Anything else that you'd like to share in, in the last 12 months? Or the, the next thing I was going to ask is from the next book, have you got any things you'd like to share from the upcoming one that, that your mentors taught you from industry? Okay, first of all, like uh, there is a quote in Latin that says memento mori, so remember you're going to die. Uh, I do use that in my life. I think I used to use that like for a long time, but I think for a few periods of time of my life, I ended up forgetting that because I was pursuing something that was nice, but on the same time, I forgot that I would, I would die eventually, right? And uh, I leave memento mori every day, so I try to be as close as possible, the better person as possible to the people around me so I don't have regrets if, if I die tomorrow or today. Living with my family kind of brought the moment more uh, back to me again. I don't, I don't want to have regrets. I want to be able to say that I gave you my best while I was alive. 
And regarding the book, so far what I've been reading about what what it takes to become world class designer, it's funny because I also thought it was craft. Because when you see world class designers, at least myself, I see like Steve Jobs, I see Johnny Ive, right? You see like all these Apple products, super beautiful, and you think you have to be good designer to be able to do that. And what I've been reading from people that I admire, no, almost no one ever talk about talent. Or crap. They talk about uh, focus on yourself, building a connection, being a great person, uh, being healthy. I was like, what do you guys mean? I'm talking about being a designer here. And I'm talking about being a better person. What you guys are talking about? So like in the beginning, I was a bit confused. I was like, I think these people don't understand what, what, what I'm actually asking here. I'm asking about how can I become a world-class designer? I don't want to eat healthy. Like, I want to be good. What I ended up reading was, for you to be good, you have to be healthy first. Uh, for you to be good, you have to have self-confidence. And uh, I think mm, the book's gonna be more, people are gonna be really disappointed because they're gonna expect, yes, you're gonna have to use Photoshop and AutoCAD and mix with Framer and use Marvel app. And <laughs> there is nothing related to that in the book. So it's about how can you become a better person? How can you prepare yourself for the challenges? Because one thing that I've learned interviewing all these people is all these tools, uh, they have a short span of life. They gonna might be useless in five years from now, but what's gonna stay there, it's yourself, it's your confidence, it's your discipline, it's your health. And if you don't take care of that and everything else is gonna be just useless. That, that reminds me of, of an article you wrote about Gestalt, um, the, psych, the theory of, of the mind and how in humans, the whole is different from the parts. How do you apply this in, in your writings and, and your design experience? Huh? Really? You asked me that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a... <laughs> Okay, I think you, you guys did your homework. Um, uh, I'm gonna be more careful next time publishing things. <laughs> so like, uh, Gestalt is a design principle that is related to the mind. So like something funny about design is, people also think that design is about what you put outside. Design is about perception, right? You, you basically work with how people understand the world. And uh, Gestalt and uh, like the, the, the principles of Gestalt teach you that. So how can you use elements? How can you manipulate the reality around you to create the perception of the, like uh, the time perception, perception of death. So how can you make things more engage, engaging? How can you create the sensation of groupness? How can you separate things? How the brain automatically create like invisible lines and how can we use that to create like better experience for people. So Gestalt ended up teaching us that design has less to do with what you do, but it's more about your intention, what you intend to do. So you in, what you intend to do, it's highly related to how people perceive the world and Gestalt teaches the other side. So example, how like people put together images and how our brain combined that image and how can we use that to like to capture the user attention. So it's like psychology, but uh, related to design. Amazing. Sound is very interesting and very, it's something I wanna go back to and do more research and understand it better. Really, thank you for sharing that. 
And really, I, I think one of the reasons I say I got into design is because of the interest in human psychology, right? Everything design is an understanding. Even the aesthetic stuff is, is really trying to understand how human psychology works. <clears throat> that, that's a really interesting thought, yeah. What other principles have you got for yourself as a designer to achieve this world-class designer status? So far, like, I think uh, there is a guy uh, from Brazil who ended up becoming friends, his name is André Crujel. He asked me, how did I manage to build this big network of like world-class designer? At the first, it was hard for me to answer that question because sometimes it seems like I planned everything. I didn't. I think it's mostly related to being a good person and being very honest with people. I think people can feel authenticity coming from me and they just connect and because they can feel that I'm honest, I'm not trying to get anything from there, they willing to help. So one of my mentors, she's the head of design at GP Morgan Chase. She's, she's one of our mentors for the school. She's a Stanford professor. It was the same. I even asked her, why are you helping me? Because I don't get it. <laughs> like was she she helped us uh, to get like um, the head uh, the head of design of uh, SAP as speaker she helped me to get uh, head of design of Oracle and now head of design at uh, JP Morgan Chase in Silicon Valley uh, like people from Google I was like oh, I asked literally ask her why are you doing this didn't you ask she was like I just want to help I love your mission I like you and I want to help you I was like okay please go ahead yeah, I think it's about being genuine and, and uh, show people your, your intentions. And you have to be true to yourself also. So like, like for me, every time I try to be someone else, things didn't work. Like they just didn't work. But every time I try to be myself, stop trying to copy people, like things just click. Were you trying to be someone else when you lost a lot of money 2020? How did that happen? Sorry. <laughs> Not necessarily. Uh, so, so like because I am a designer, but I identify as as much as I don't like to say it publicly. I I feel like I'm an entrepreneur. I see that as my destiny, as my life, which I might end up doing full time anytime soon. And uh, I wanted to be able to build business, but not because I want to be an entrepreneur, because I want to be able to explore. Uh, things by myself without having to ask for permission and creating value out of that. I've lost a lot of money like last year trying to do just that, trying to becoming a business person. And there is a lot of things that I didn't know that I didn't know. So in that process, a lot of money is gone. What did you learn in that losing money and how did that come about? So what I've learned that in business, marketing is important as your product. So if I had to do things like, again, I would actually, marketing is actually more important than your business sometimes, than your product, I mean. If I had go back on time and start my projects doing stuff again, I would invest more than half of my time promoting things than doing things because I understand. It's funny, people talk about user-centered design, uh, like having the user in the center, but almost, I can guarantee you that 98% of the design in the world ignored that. 
because we assume that we know what people want so we're not gonna ask or we're gonna pretend that we're gonna ask them until you launch a product and no one use it and start asking yourself why they remember the, the user center thing that we talk about yeah you didn't do that's why no one is using it. so like that is very important but also marketing like there is another fallacy that i do believe that it's a fallacy that people say build they will come that's false might work for a few people but doesn't work for everyone so how do you get people to use things that you you created and uh, i've learned that so i wouldn't make that mistake again so if i had to work in a project I'm, the first question that i'm going to ask is how much money do you have for marketing good that's again wisdom for 98 of, of designers need to pick up and really that thread of communication community and collaboration runs throughout everything that you do you even describe yourself as a not an aesthetic designer but one who who makes better collaborations right so how, how does that all fit in for you with what you're doing so the collaboration part i think comes naturally because i think i i, I like to believe that i'm a good communicator I don't think I have to do much. Like I'm really lucky because this is one of the few things in my life that I don't have to put extra hours to learn. I think I just I just do it. It's 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 easy for me. Is it something that has always been in you even growing up as a child um just finding these kind of ways to be with people? Yes, yes, like uh, I always see myself as a leader in the group. Like if you put me in a group of people, it's not going to take long until we start leading the group. It's natural. Good. So what are what are your plans then for this year with world-class designer and everything else that you're doing and into the future? So we're going to launch the school a few weeks from now. We, create, we started this live thing where we're going to be teaching people how to work in world-class tech companies like what they actually need to do to get there so we are also organizing the conference for next year so this year we do we did like 24 hours for next year we want to do three days non-stop again it's gonna be like fun uh and really hard also because we like the hard part mostly nice we look <laughs> so, forward to that <laughs> yeah so yeah we're organizing and the conference has the same mission like help us funding fund uh the school because you want to educate as many african designers as possible and i was saying in the beginning that the schools we want to focus first on theory so it's gonna be like uh, i'm not sure yet because we're still discussing this with my colleagues and mentors it's gonna be theory on the first three months we provide world-class content for them like uh, peer-to-peer no teachers we, we do create the environment so uh, like for them and then they're gonna be like doing working with pro- in projects for real world problems in for NGOs for like four, three to four months, I'm not sure. And then they're gonna be having an internship on those world-class uh, tech companies that are our partners. Uh, I can't name names yet, but it's gonna be something cool. People will have opportunity to work. I can tell you if you can name the, te- the, the, the biggest 10 tech companies, like just out of your head, like people from our schools are going to be interning them. How many students are you looking to work with? Like so far, we created a space for 25 students, uh, but we're trying to see ways to get more people. 
because we want to make sure that everyone have the same level of opportunity, right? Because it's a very, it's a very competitive thing that we're trying to create. As, as I said, again, we're not trying to create quantity, we more quality. We want the 25 to become examples. I want you to be able to have more 25 guests can, that can talk like I talk like next year. Awesome. Have you got any messages for followers? If there's any information for applications, etc., for people to where to find wcd.school, right? What okay, else? So, yeah, so for now, uh, <clears throat> they can subscribe to our newsletter on, on our website, wcd.school, so they can have more information about what's coming. So we're going to be launching the podcast soon, also, like as I said, like 20 episodes out, once off. So like interviews from like world's best designers, uh, but these world's best designers are not only from big tech companies, are people like us, also like people who have like extraordinary experiences, uh, like from, from places that you don't even imagine. Um, yeah, so there is the school, the podcast, the book still gonna take some time. And there is the life, right? Where we, where we teach people what actually takes to work on those big companies. Example, I can give you one very specific example, like for US-based America to hire an African, they need to go to, to the immigration process and pay $30,000 to get a visa for the employee. And those $30,000, they they're, they're not even sure if they're gonna get the visa. So it's a very complicated process. And there is a lot of documents that you need to be able to be qualified eligible to, to get like the visa, like skills, uh, how proficient are you in English, which country are you coming from? So we know that about how it feels to work at Google from people who work at Google, but we don't know the hiring manager perspective. We're trying to bring this hiring manager perspective, like that legal part that most of the times, even the candidate doesn't know that. So we want to bring that to as many people as possible so it can be, so they can have enough information because having big opportunities is not about talent alone, it's how informed you are also. Well, Gideon, the future of design is bright. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks, Adrian, for inviting me. It was a real pleasure to share this with you. After we recorded this conversation, Gideon invited me to be a guest on the World Class Designer podcast and I got to share some stories that I perhaps haven't shared before. So please go and check it out and listen to the other guests' interviews as well. That's World Class Designer.